Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our very long micro series of fireside chats. We're into day two. So we're at the FPA Congress. It's the 30th birthday of um, the FPA's Congress. So it's fantastic to be here. Now, Fraser has darted off and I'm joined by a new co-host. Hey, Clayton. Hey, how's it going? And we have a very special guest to kick off the discussions. Hi, William. How are you going? Good, thank you. So, can you, before we dive into your session and what you're talking about at the FPA Day, can you tell everyone who's listening a little bit about what you do? Because it's a bit unique. Sure. So, um, I'm William Johns. I am uh, uh, the founder of two companies, Health and Finance Integrated, which gives advice to people after suffering a complex health condition, and ClaimRight, which is a claims platform, administration service, that makes claims easier for things like NDIS, Centrelink, and insurances. So we do everything. Fantastic. And you've also had a heritage of being a financial planner. Correct. Well, I am a financial planner, but I'm also a disability. So a practicing financial planner. I am a yeah, practicing excellent. financial planner. Um, wearing the, many hats. Wearing many hats. But these days, I'm more of a tech head. So people come to me for tech advice, if you like. Fantastic. And I'm not talking about like computer advice. I'm talking about like technical. Yeah, you've got to make that advice. clarification <laughs> these days. No, thank you so That's much. Right. That's um, but also um, on the, I, I hold a master's in disability studies from Flinders School of Medicine. So that makes it a little bit better for me when it comes to understanding impairments and disabilities. I'm wow. so glad you explained all of that because I would have, um, <laughs> yeah, I would have got lost in all of your achievements. So thank you. Yeah. So how did you get up? How did you end up in the claims disability space? What drew you to that particular area? Back in when I started Health and Finance Integrated, uh, we had a great relationship with MS Australia. They put me up as, uh, as a guy that people with MS should go to. And what happened was I was getting a lot of people um, seeking my advice mm. after having seen a legal uh, uh, represent a lawyer, a, a yeah. lawyer, legal specialist, mm. etc. And by then it was too late to do any meaningful work because the way that works is that the lawyer would do the claim, and they do a fantastic job, right? They do a fantastic job, but then the way to get paid is to take the money out of the superannuation system and put it in the lawyer's trust account. The lawyer will take their fee and they give the residual to the client. And by then, the tax has already been withheld, you know, withheld from, by the fund. Um, and Centrelink and everything else has already factored in that this person has got all this money out of super. So for a lawyer to get paid, it screws the client. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's the deal. That the you know the lawyer's job is not to kind of preserve sure, yeah. the future. The, do the, do the law- financial planning. Right. Right. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're there to execute a transaction. Yeah. Efficiently. And yeah. That's and want to and want to get paid. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And so I kind of thought, okay, well, what we really need to do is speak to the lawyers about um, you know the process, and I did, and and. They kind of listen, but the reality is financial planning takes a good month, two months. And so for a lawyer to kind of say, look, I'm, gonna, I'm happy to hold on, you know, mm. my payment is going to be pending. Mm. Um, and then there is no guarantee because superannuation is a protected thing from bankruptcy. A lot of these people didn't have any other money. So there was like a trust issue by, you know, the lawyer client issues and all that sort of stuff. And mm. I thought to myself, well, I think we can do this better. Um, and I think we can do it cheaper. 
how much you're charging, you're charging X percent, I think I can do it for one-fifth of that. And that, and that kind of got me thinking about how do I measure body impairments really efficiently because part of the issue that we were having uh, is that um, medicos didn't understand the disability definitions. They didn't understand. Uh, somebody's diagnosed with MS, but what does MS mean? Like, is it cognitive impairment? What's the rate of cognitive impairment? If somebody's got heat exhaustion, okay, what does that mean in the workplace? Uh, if somebody's got bladder control issues, how often, how frequent? So you needed an occupational physician to interpret the what MS really means or a neurologist to go into it. That meant that there was a lot of money being exchanged at the medical side of things for people to write these reports, a lot of time wasted. And I figured, wait, I know how to do this. I'll create the, the, the app, the, the ecosystem that measures impairments and we will then generate a report to go to their normal GP who mm-hmm. will look at this and say, gee, this is pretty good, and I'll sign off on it. And that's what happened. So that's the mm-hmm. claim, right? Um, you know, that's how we've been able to add efficiencies and reduce costs. So you're talking about all the whole person impairment measures. Right, right, right. Within, within 25 minutes. Yep. Exactly. Within 25 minutes, we know exactly where the impairment is, how severe it is, and we generate a report that is comprehensive. Because you take that to two or three different doctors. I know from my time in insurance, if you take that to two or three different doctors, you'll have two or three or four or five different measures of whole person impairment on depending on how they've done that sort of measurement. So that's fantastic. Exactly. Centralise that and giving them a little bit of support and calculating Exactly. That. But the thing is, when we designed it, we didn't just design it for the purpose of insurance claims. We mm. designed it for Centrelink and we designed it for NDIS. Mm. And so what that meant was I achieved what I wanted to say, what I set out to achieve with, when I started the financial planning side, which is I wanted, to people, I wanted people to have suitable accommodation, stable income, and good care. And so by us being able to uh, you know, do the claim, often what that meant is that the money was then being used for the purposes of housing, um, et cetera, but appropriate housing, mm-hmm. um, you know, paying mortgages, et cetera. Um, the second thing I wanted to do was ensure that the disability support pension or any other benefits um, were, uh, were uh, being paid quickly. And the rate of uh, 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 rejection is 74%. On those, so I wanted to reduce that, and we reduced it. Now we've got a five percent rejection rate. Whoa! Which is like ninety-five. So, like this is Australia-wide, it's seventy-six percent rejection, right? Or seventy-four, seventy-six. I wanted to reduce that because there's no. I can't understand how we could have a margin of error. Mm. <laughs> of like 75 percent. <laughs> We've done this, but we're wrong 75 percent of the time. Yeah, like so. if you're if you're if you're a government body, how could you be proud of a margin of error of 75 percent? So to me, there was something wrong with the system, and I've discovered that it's the actual impairment ratings and the, the legisl- and the measurement of impairments and what it means to have a permanent impairment versus a doctor who says this person can't work anymore. It's complicated, right? It's so complicated. So this comes to your session that you're talking about today, later today. And so you're going to be breaking all of that down. Well, as much as possible. I mean, we've got 45 minutes to kind of break down a whole lot of stuff. But this gets people to start thinking about where the issues are in the Mm. system. So maybe they can do their own digging and get them to start thinking about these things from um, a strategy point of view. And that's what it's about. So what are the things in that 40, you've only got 45 minutes, what are the things that are really important for 
what are the pitfalls that you definitely want to avoid um, in your strategy piece in this disability space? Uh, I think uh, you've got to understand that perhaps financial planners can play an exceptional role in, uh, in what disability is um, and, and, and how to remove that disability and create abilities. Mm. So it's a matter of, I mean, you're disabled if somebody keeps reminding you that you are uh, faced with challenges all the time. And so is, is there a space where, um, or room for a financial planner to remove some of those obstacles out of the way? Uh, of the systems that we're associated with. I'll give you an example of that. So, and, and we're not talking about disability now, but we'll talk about disabling factors. Let me give you an example. Somebody goes and applies for insurance. They've got, they go and see a psychologist because of COVID. The psychologist says, you, listen, you've got generalized anxiety disorder. And we then get an uh, exclusion for mental health. Okay? So there are two obstacles that can be removed by the financial planner in this point. First of all, a generalized anxiety disorder is a permanent condition. The question is, is this really generalized anxiety disorder or did the guy just have a little hard time during COVID? And if that is the case, then you would go back to the psychologist and kind of challenge them, push back, say, hey, this is a permanent condition. This guy is fine now. How could it be that he is fine if it's a permanent condition without medications, without therapies? Oh, it could be what they call adjustment disorder, which is basically burnout. Right. right. And you think, oh, because when you do something like slap somebody with a an generalized anxiety disorder, you need 20 visits, not one or two to slap somebody with a, with a disorder. Totally. Right? And so guess what? That was last week. We had this case. The psychiatrist came back and he said, well, yeah, you're right. We'll remove that. We'll do it. So then... They gave the client two years exclusion, mental health exclusion, to be reviewed. The next question, if I wanted to push back on that, I would say, okay, under Section 46 of the Disability Discrimination Act, the insurer has three ways to discriminate by slapping an exclusion. One of them is that you've got to show me actuarially, uh, through actuarial uh, data or, or through medical data or any other data that this person as part of a general population is going to have an episode down the track sure, or yep. more likely that. And they might come back with a legitimate um, data, but it's on them under the DDA to prove to me otherwise it's discrimination. So you're every underwriter's best friend. <laughs> well, I think... I, Yikes. I've I been think, an underwriter. That would right, scare me. Right. And so, and so, and so back, back maybe six, seven years ago, I took a big company to the, uh, to the Human Rights Commission. And they said, the, the Human Rights Commission said, you're absolutely right. This is discrimination. It's arbitrary discrimination. And now, of course, if you wanted to do something about that, like in a practical terms, there is no, it's an arbitration system. Um, and if you're not happy with the arbitration, then you go to court. And a lot of people won't go to court. But the point is this, is that the financial planner needs to know these little things so they can do business better. And they can remove obstacles. And serve their client better, right, ultimately. Right, yes. right, right. And it, it kind of makes us cool. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes us scary. Yeah. And it, makes, it makes us, uh, you know, the underdog. Yeah. And I like all that. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard underwriting claims cool underdog. But well, look, we're reinventing things, right? Right, right. This is, this is a professional financial planner. I, so so we, I interviewed uh, William a while ago and... 
and you've got an amazing backstory, right? Yeah. Compared to like for even how you got here, which which I know is a one of the major sort of driving factors right. for for even for you to describe what it is that you do as what you do. Um, and so it all makes sense in in, in context. And I uh, would welcome anyone to go back through the the archives of the XY podcast to listen to that podcast. It's one of the most standout podcasts you know I was ever a part of. Um, but what, 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 you, what you are describing right here and right now is truly what, um, what financial planning is because financial planning is um, understanding the rules in your subset better than anyone else, including the person you speak to at the government, including the person you speak to at the product provider, including the lawyer that deals with this, the psychologist. And it's not always going to be around health. Right. Yeah. It, 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 there, there are many different areas to go into, but the thing that I really, really appreciate what it is that you do is that you created your own skill set to become an expert in what you saw as an issue, and mm. and find that is financial planning. The the level of area, the, the amount of areas that you can go into and deep dive into, because you know you know what it took for you to become proficient at what it is that you do hard work yeah. much more than your graduate yeah. diploma where you learn about how to do a, a risk assessment right, right. It, 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 the, that pursuit of, uh, of, a, of, of a higher skill set I just so appreciate in any financial planner I, I agree with that and, and you find that the best financial planners are financial planners who kind of start being inquisitive about the system absolutely because they identify that the job of a financial planner is to be the conduit between the person and the financial system yep and the financial system is not just superannuation or insurance it's an entire ecosystem oh yeah um, that includes when somebody gets into hospital they get to find to sign financial consent Stuff like that. Like, I got into hospital and they got me to, said, oh, you know, this, this and that. And then they gave me a $3,000 bill. And I was thinking to myself, I never signed anything because I know from my time as a financial planner, I need to sign something to consent to spend money. So I dug up and I found that before any surgery, that the, the doctor is kind of like a financial planner in a lot of ways. And that they have to get a signature like we get on an SOA. Now, my doctor never got a signature from me. And so, therefore... They can't charge me. Wow. So I went back to him and I said, hey, I looked at this consent stuff and it sounds like you're a lot like me. I can't charge without having consent. Yeah. And you can't charge if you can't. And yeah. He goes, oh, we stuffed up. <laughs> do you want to oh, sign, sign it now? The business yeah, that I've grown so. for 20 <laughs> years, I've just realized it's been illegal. <laughs> now, yeah, now, listen, I, I ended up paying the guy something. Sure, you sure. Know, I, you know, but the point is, people, but, but, but it's still the point. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I'm in a privileged position in that I'm also the chair of the Certified Financial Planning designation. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now is going back into the practice of financial planning and the Certified Financial Planning program. Um, do we have, you know, we want to move away from, uh, you know, what universities used to teach 20 years ago to something a bit more dynamic to make it more relevant. And people want relevance. Yes. So this is relevant. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Great. William, thank you for joining us in this morning's very early sessions. I've learned a lot. I look, I am going to try and get to your session because it sounds amazing. Thank you. Good luck. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Cheers.